Welcome to the Lifehouse Church Podcast. More information about Lifehouse and Pastors Richard and Helen Kabakian can be found at lifehouse.com.au. We hope you enjoy the following message. Well, today I'm going to be speaking to you out of the R. Can anyone remember what the R is all about in the word grow? Real relationships. This year we want to see you grow and we believe the way in which you will grow is to, number one, G is to get planted. R is to develop real relationships. O is to be open to opportunities to grow. So whenever something is being run, for example, church or any other event, you know, we, we don't just run them just so that we can waste your time. We want to see you grow. Amen. And the W is you've got to watch out for worry. Okay. Jesus said the things that stops people from growing is that they're so worried about where they're going and, and, and they get preoccupied with things that Jesus said we shouldn't be. So I want to talk to you about the R, but I'm not actually talking about our relationship necessarily with each other. And you'll see what I mean as we go. Will you pray with me for a moment? Father, thank you in Jesus' name for every person in this room. Lord, we are not here by accident. We're here, Lord, because you want us to be here. God, we send such a call, such an affinity with this place. Lord God, this is a family to us. Lord, I know you've got something to say to every person in this room in Jesus' name. And everyone said... I went recently with a a guy from our church to go visit a family. Um, And this is the family I was talking about a few weeks ago who were having some demonic activity happen in their home. And uh, the mum and dad, who, uh, uh, you know, they're they're quite mature. Uh, They're sort of into their 60s, 70s. And they gave their life to Jesus, which was awesome. It was great. Then they invited us back and they said, could you please come and speak to our family? So we went there. And lo and behold, there's five adult children there, 41, 43, 42, the whole five of them, four boys, one girl. And we all just sat around and they're all thinking, we don't even know why we are here, but our mum and dad want us to be here and respectfully they were there, but they looked at uh, Paul and I and they just sort of said, eventually we we got talking and, and then what happened was Paul started basically giving his testimony of how he came to faith. Um, and then eventually, one of the sons, I don't know which, in which order he is, but one of the sons just basically came out with this statement because Paul was preaching so fervently and so passionately uh, that eventually one of them said, so can I just ask, what do, you want, what do you want us to do? What does God want from us? Like, okay, it's like, okay, like, you've, I've bought the car, but now, like, how do I sign up for it? You know, and, and he's like, so what? And he came out with it so abruptly that he actually caught me off guard. And, and Paul was sort of caught off guard too. And it was like, what, what does God want from me? What does he want? And I want to ask you a question. What would you have answered? What does God want? If someone had to say to you, what does God want from me? What does he want? And then he started listing some stuff. Do you want me to go to church? Is, is that what this is all about? Do you guys want us to come to your church? Is that what this is all about? And then I quickly said, no. No, no, that's not what this is all about. I just don't want you to come into the four walls of a church. No. And then I got thinking, well, what is it that I do want him to do? Now, remember, I had to answer this very quickly. What would you have answered? Oh, God wants you to read your Bible. Uh, God wants you to, what, what does God want from this guy? Great question, isn't it? What would you answer? If someone said, so listen, what does God want from me? What does God want from me? 
And what came out next came out of my heart, straight out of my heart, and I just simply said this. I said, bro, he wants your heart. That's what God wants. He wants your heart. Amen? God wants your heart. My response immediately was God wants your heart. Right from the start, God has only ever wanted our heart. That's all he's ever wanted. Have a look at Proverbs 23, 26. It says, my son, sorry, we've lost one screen. That's why we need the miracle offering, by the way. There you go. If you, I think God's doing this on purpose because we've had no problem with these screens, but God is trying to, just in case you're thinking everything's cooler in here, it's not. My son or daughter, give me your heart and let your eyes delight in my ways. That's what God wants. Now, they actually find that in the Old Testament. Well, what about the New Testament? Well, this is, this is the way Jesus said it. Matthew twenty two thirty seven. Jesus replied, You must love the Lord your God with all your heart and your soul and your mind. Now, why is it so important? Why does God want our heart? Because there's a story when we read about King David. He was a young boy. And before he was appointed as king, a prophet came along and a king needed to be appointed. And, and, and Samuel, the prophet, was looking at all the good-looking guys, all the brothers that were tall and big and handsome. And, 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 and he's thinking, these are the guys that I'm going to. It's got to be one of these guys. But, but I love what God says, 1 Samuel chapter 16, 17. But it says, but the Lord said to Samuel, don't judge by this guy's appearance or his height, for I have rejected him. The Lord doesn't see the way you see them. People judge by outward appearance, but the Lord looks at the heart. I love that. Hey, listen, people are going to look at the outward appearance. And that's, you know what, because that is a truth, that's why this church needs to look beautiful because people do judge by an outward appearance. There's nothing overly wrong with that, to be honest. But what it's saying is God doesn't. God judges and God looks into our heart. Now, for some of you, that may be a little bit frightening because you're thinking, oh, what does that mean? Because, like, to be honest, I wish I could just sort of act things out on the outside and then God doesn't quite know what's going on on the inside. And for some of us, we're really nervous about that because we've done some things that started within our heart and we're really ashamed about that. And do you know what stops a lot of people from coming to God? Do you know what stops most people from coming to God? It's not that they hate him. It's not that they're atheists. It's not that they've come up with some sort of theory. Do you know why most people don't? They don't feel worthy to come to God. Did you know that? Most people don't feel worthy. It's like that's for the good people. That's for the people that, that sort of look good. And, I've, you know, I've, I've done things. I've been divorced. I can't come to God. No, no, no. God doesn't judge by the outward. He judges by your heart. Amen. He, he, he always has and he forever will. I was reading in the Herald Sun about, um, about a couple who are both in the adult film industry. And they're a couple. And this couple who are both making films that I'm sure God's not very proud of, um, but they're actually getting married. And so the reporter says to the guy, how do you feel about the fact of what your potential wife has done with her body? He says, look, I've got to tell you, he goes, I've got, and this is what he says. He says, I may have to deal with what she's done with her body because she's given her body away. But one thing she's never done is given her heart away. And then he goes on to say, some guys have got their women's body, but they've never had their heart. 
wow, there you go. Reading that in the Herald Sun, 9.30 in the morning. But it's the truth, isn't it? You know, sometimes we think it's all about what we say and what we do, but God is judging from the heart. Jesus said this in Matthew 15.8. He says, these people, who's he talking about? He's talking about the priests and the Pharisees. He says, these people, they honour me with their lips. But what does he say? But their hearts are far from me. What does God want? He wants my heart. Why does God want our heart? Why does he want our heart? I'm I'm moving very quickly, by the way, so that I can get to what I really want to talk about. You find it in Proverbs 4.23. Why does God want our heart? Let's read this together. This is why God wants your heart. Guard your heart above all else, for it determines the course of your life. God wants your heart because your heart left to its own devices is going to lead you down a course that God believes is not going to be great for you. All men. So God says, if I could just get hold of your heart, then I can determine the course of your life. If I could just get hold of your heart, I can determine the course of your life. Now listen to this. We get to decide who sits on the throne of our heart. But let me tell you something. You may have decided a week ago that God should sit on the throne of your heart. But just like the Game of Thrones, there is a battle for your heart. There is a battle. And you may have given your heart to Jesus three weeks ago, but I want to tell you right now, there is someone or something or some thought that is trying to take hold of your heart. For example, unforgiveness. Why did Jesus preach so strongly on unforgiveness? Because it wants to take residence and wants to become the king of your heart. Why? Because if unforgiveness can take its place, then it will control what you say. It will control what you do. It will control parties that you will go to and parties that you won't. All because of something that's going on in your heart. That's why Jesus spoke so strongly about unforgiveness. What else did he say? He said, out of the overflow of the heart, what happens? The mouth speaks. So if God can just take hold of your heart, then he's got control of your mouth. He's got control of where you go. He's got control of what you're thinking. He's got control of everything if he, as long as he's got your heart. Does anybody want God to take control of their heart? Absolutely. Of course we do. I'm going to take for granted that most of us in this room, if you haven't given your heart, then we're going to give you a chance at the end of this service. But for most of us, we would be saying, I, there's no doubt about it, I've given God my heart, but how do, I, how do I ensure that I stay there? How do I ensure that, how can I grow in giving God more of my heart? Because listen, you can walk into my house and I can allow you into my home and I'll show you into the front lounge room. Some of you have been into that room. And I'll walk straight past a door that is usually closed and we'll walk straight down my corridor and then I'll show you another room that you're welcome to go to. You're welcome to go into the, uh, into the, uh, the, the kitchen area. But then you'll notice that there's a sliding door that's closed because my children's bedrooms are behind there. And you're not welcome to go there because you will lose respect for us if you do. <laughs> you'll think, am I going to live? Am I going to survive? No, you will. And you know our hearts can be like that. It's like we allow God into some areas of our heart. Like, God, please come, come into my world. You're welcome. You're welcome. But, but, I, but don't go into the laundry of my heart. No, don't, no, no don't, don't go into the things that I have. Oh, don't go into the bedroom of my heart. Don't get involved in my sexual intimate life, God. Don't get involved in my finance room. I'm going to keep that room closed. How do we ensure that God takes over more and more of our heart 
And listen, a moment ago you were clapping because we all want this because we know that if God takes control of our heart, it will determine the course of our life. So how do we do this? Does anybody want to know how we can do this? Well, the Scripture tells us. Thank goodness for the Scripture. Jesus says in six, Matthew 6, 21, He says, Wherever your treasure is, there your heart will be also. Now, that's a really peculiar scripture, and this is where we're going to take a bit of a turn. Jesus is saying that you can do something externally, outside of your life, not inside your heart, not inside your soul. You can do something with your hand that then has an impact on your heart. Did you see that? He says, where your treasure is, that's the thing that's going to lead your heart there. And what I want to talk to you guys about is this whole concept of motion creates emotion. Everyone repeat after me. Motion creates emotion. Some of us are thinking, well, what what does that mean? Well, for most of us, commonly, the way in which we think is, and you've heard me teach this, and it's actually true, that whatever you think about, for long enough, will create emotions. Is that true? You think angry thoughts, you're going to start feeling angry, which then starts outworking in your life as an angry action. You speak, you say things you shouldn't, you punch holes in walls, so forth and so on. Not that that happens in this church at all, but our plasterers do tell us stories from time to time. There's no doubt about it, it does work that way. But listen, I want to talk to you this morning about something that actually works in the complete opposite direction. Did you know that not only can your thoughts affect your emotions, which then affect your actions, but your, effect, your actions can affect your emotions. That's what that scripture is telling us. You can have an, you can, if you can control your outside world, even when you don't feel like it, it can start to affect your emotions. I'm going to go deep in. Some of you are still thinking, I'm not quite sure what he's saying. Let me, let me tell you what I'm saying. Have you ever noticed a guy and a girl who don't even really know each other that well start working on a film? And that film is, is a film where they really love each other and it's a really he- healthy, wholesome, where they're, maybe they had some struggles but then they come to love each other. How, how many times have we seen two people, even if they're married, fall in love with each other on set? How many times have we seen that happen? Do you know when it actually doesn't happen? When they're actually in a film where they are not intimate and emotional, where they actually hate each other the whole film. When they're actually acting out hatred toward each other and they are hostile, hostile toward each other, they don't seem to get together in those films. The films that they do seem to get together in are the films where they're, you know, t- what is it, 10 days to lose a guy and uh, and uh, pretty woman and, uh, right? The films where they're, in those films, Mr. and Mrs. Smith, yeah, Mr. and Mrs. Smith, who loved each other and then hated each other, but they loved each other for a season, but then they get back together in the end. But Brad and Angelina got together on that, in that film. Why? Why does that happen so often? Because it's very difficult to act out something without starting to feel the emotion of it. I'm going to say that it's very difficult to act something out without then feeling the emotion of it. So a short and reliable way to change your feelings is change what you're doing. Don't wait for your feelings to want to do something. Just start doing it and your feelings actually start to change. Are you hearing this? 
There's a, a lady who has written a book, and I'm going to encourage you greatly to get it. It's by a woman called Amy Cuddy, C-U-D-D-Y. She wrote a book called Presence. She's got a PhD. Read this book. It will blow your mind. She talks about power positions. The book is called Presence. Come and see me later if you want to know more about it. The book is called Presence, and she talks about power positions. And what she's done, and she's done a whole study into this, where they took three people, six people all together, six people, and three of them, she got them to perform what we call power positions. What's a power position? Standing like that. She got them to stand with their hand on their hips and standing in what she calls the Superman position. And she got them to do that for two minutes. Each and every one of them, someone else put their hand behind their head and put their feet up on a desk, and they did that for two minutes. They lived and they looked large, just like the animal kingdom. When they're trying to get rid of their predator, they make their neck grow, grow, go wider or the frill neck lizard sends up its frill to make itself feel big and look big. So even though they're going in for an interview, they would stand in a room for two minutes and they would stand there. This is documented. Read the book. They would stand there and they would, and they would do that. The other guys... They would just leave alone and they would, what, what they would be doing is what we would most likely be doing is get on our phones, be looking at our book and just looking and feeling very small. They got interviewers to interview them and they didn't tell them who was who. And they said, which three people would you hire and which three people wouldn't you? Every one of the interviewers said, we will hire these three people. Wow. No one wanted to choose these people. Why? Because what she says in the book is when you stand in a power position, you start to tell your emotions something's going on and you feel big and you, you, you just start feeling better about yourself. What does that mean to you and me? That means if we walk around all day and we're hunched over and we're living small and we're feeling small and we're sitting down and we're doing that and we're, and you, your emotions will feel the emotions of that because that's what you normally do when you are feeling small. So your emotions work backwards. Why, why are you feeling like that? Oh, should I be scared about something? Should I be nervous about something? And what I'm trying to teach you here is really important that you can do some, something on the outside of your world to change your heart. Are you hearing that? If you don't feel like hanging out with someone, go and hang out with them. Don't wait until you get the revelation. I should go and hang out with that person. I should be forgiving. I should. I'm going to just wait for the presence of God and the peace of God. And then I'm going to go out and start loving people. No, no, no. Just start loving them. Just start hanging out with people. Just, just, just get out there and the emotion comes as we do that they did something on the outside that affected their inside you know there's a story about a woman and she wanted to leave her husband there was lots of money involved and so she went to go see her lawyer she said I want to leave my husband he's never around and things aren't working out and you know what I'm out of here I'm going to the gym and I'm going to start looking after myself and the lawyer says great because this is their opportunity to make some money so he says have you said anything to your husband yet she says no I'm, 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 but I'm about to tell him. He says, don't, don't, don't do it. Don't do it just yet. He says, actually, what you need to do is you need to treat him really, really well. And she says, why? He says, because then, then he won't know what's coming. He goes, because if he knows it's coming, he'll start moving assets around and you won't be able to get your money. And she goes, oh, yeah, great idea. So she goes, what do I do? He goes, well, you know, wake up in the morning, give him some breakfast, give him coffee, tell him that you love him, you know. Just tell him that you love him. Just, just how hard is it? Just say that you love him and hang out with him. And, and you know, when he comes home, just make him meals. And then all of a sudden, just when he thinks everything's absolutely perfect, then we can get all our paperwork in order. Boom! Tell him that you're leaving him. Strip him in with 75% and it's all going to be good. And she's like, what a great plan. 
So he sends her off and she goes off. Six months later, he sees her in the street. He says, hey, what happened? You never came back to do the whole divorce thing. She said, divorce? Mate, I love the guy. <laughs> what do you mean by you love the guy? Well, you know, when I started to do all those things out of, you know, just, she goes, I, I started to notice that he was saying thank you and, and, and please, hon, and gee, honey, you've changed. And, and then, he, then he started to be home more. And the next thing you know, he was giving me gifts. And so then I started, you know, toasted sandwiches and blah, blah, blah. And next thing, she goes, why would, I, why would I want to leave him? Because see, motion brought the emotion. Motion brought the emotion. Amen. Motion brings, listen, listen to another survey that took place. This, this is incredible. There was a guy standing there with the same paragraph about a guy who was interacting with some girl. Just a paragraph. And so this guy walks over to just some unsuspecting people in the street. And what he would do is he, was, he would hand them a hot cup of coffee. Not too hot, just, you know, a hot cup of, excuse me, can you just hold that for a moment? just need to get the pen out of my, so he would take the pen out and take the coffee back off them. And then he would say, can you just read this for me for a moment? And then they would read it. Then some other people, he would hand them an iced coffee, cold iced coffee. And then he would get them to read the exact same paragraph. 80% of people who were holding the warm cup of coffee, when they read that paragraph, they said the guy was warm-hearted, kind, and tender. The people that were holding the cold cup of iced coffee were saying, oh, he's a bit crass and he's a bit, he's a bit cold toward the girl that he's talking to. What, how, how does that happen? Because, friends, if you don't think your external affects your internal, you're kidding yourself. It does. So why don't we use it for good? Why don't we use it for good? Why don't we use the, ex- the external to create the internal? Jesus said, wherever your treasure is, well, how do you put your treasure there? You do it with your hands. How do I love God more? Put your treasure. What is your treasure? Your time. Put some treasure into God's house. I want to love God more. I want God to have more in my heart. Put some treasure there. That's, that's an external thing that you do. It's a decision. I'm going to go to life group. You go to life group. All of a sudden, I don't really feel like going, but you go there and you sit there. All of a sudden, you find your heart growing toward God and growing toward His people. Oh, I don't really, I don't feel like saying anything nice to anybody. Yeah, but so put your treasure. Hey, listen, buddy, you're a great guy. I notice that you work around this place and I think you're such a great man of God. I've seen your kids. Encouragement, encouragement. You're putting your treasure somewhere. Guess what happens? All of a sudden, I start to feel like you and I are connected. An external work creates an internal work. Are you seeing that? We can't wait for feelings. We've got to just get on with it and do what we believe to be true. The miracle offering, of course. You know, my wife and I were working out how much money we have given. Obviously, we have given every single year into the miracle offering. And you know what? As Helen told me how much we have actually put into the miracle offering, and I'm sure many of you, it would be the same amount, to be honest, probably. Maybe a little more because we've been around a bit longer. But it's, it's, a fair, it's a fair amount of money. But I'll tell you what, I wouldn't have it any other way. I'll tell you why. Because I love God and I love His house. You know, I don't wake up in the morning going, gee, I hate, I don't want to go to church today. It's horrible. Why do I have this passion for it? Because you know what? I've put my treasure in it. That's why. i put my time. i put my talents. i put my treasure. I've done everything that I can do. Why? Because wherever your treasure is, there your heart will be also. Everyone repeat after me. Where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. 
Show me, listen, I can easily tell what's going on in your heart. Are you ready? Just show me your diary and show me your checkbook. Show me your bank statement. Show me your diary. I know exactly what you love the most. (laughs) Isn't that true? Show me your diary. Show me where your finances are going. I can tell you what you love the most. Most of us love our homes. How many of us love our homes? Put your hand up. Yeah. No, no one loves your home? Okay, we'll sell them. No? Okay. Most of us love, do you know why we love our homes? Because your treasure is in it. Because you could have gone on holidays, but you didn't because you pay, you're paying off a mortgage. Your treasure is in it. That's why we love it. Amen? Why do we value our children's education? Because most of us are paying for it. How upset do you get when your kids aren't learning anything? Because you're putting treasure into it. Therefore, your heart is in it. How do we get, how do we get God into our heart more, more? If there is such a thing. You know, when God comes, he comes in all of his fullness. You know that, right? God doesn't just sort of give you his head or his neck and his hands. When God comes, he comes. But how do we give more of our heart to him? Go out of your way to put any treasure that you have into him. Go out of your way to do that. Put some treasures. Because Jesus says, wherever your treasure is, it's where your heart's going to be. Have a look at what it says about a wife. Listen to this part. Proverbs 18, 22. It says, the man who finds a wife, just let's just stop right there. Guys, you've got to find the wife. The wife shouldn't be trying to find you. The man who finds a wife finds a treasure. She's a treasure. That is what you. That's, that's not working today. The man who finds a wife finds a treasure and he receives favour from the Lord. Do you, know, do you want to love your partner more? Do you see them as a treasure? Because where your treasure is, your heart is also. Do you see them as your treasure or as your trouble? Which one do you see them as? Got to see them as your treasure. When you see them as your treasure, then your heart is there also. Your heart is there also. Do you know what's really sad? I'm going to be really honest. Is that all right? Can I be really, really honest? Because you, I'm, usually I'm just honest. I'm going to be really honest. Having prepared this message, and it's sort of, it's almost, it's my last point actually, my second last point. You know, I was really stirred up about that. You know, do I see my wife as my treasure or is she just the lady that helps me out and has given me great kids? Is she my treasure? And, you know, the answer is a resounding yes. And, you know, I, I honestly tell my wife every day that I love her, every day. But how many of you know that sometimes when I say it, it's like I could be saying Lufthansa Airlines. <laughs> Lufthansa Airlines. Because that's how much it means to me. But I, the words are coming out of my mouth, but my heart's not really connected to it. You, you, does everyone know what I'm saying? That's really being really honest. She's not here, so I can be really, really honest, right? <laughs> you know, last night we hopped into bed and, I, and, and you know, we always say I love you before we go to bed. I know it sounds cute and all that, but it's important. But you know, last night I said it, right? And it came out of my heart of hearts, right? I just said, I love you. Do you know what she says? She goes, ooh, ooh. I go, what? She goes, you really meant that one. (laughs) Sincere, that's what she said. She goes, and I thought, this um, this isn't just a theory. This, like, that was freaky to me. It was like, ooh. (laughs) Oh. La, 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 yeah, yeah, yeah. This is my final point. Are you ready? Wherever your treasure is, there your heart will be also. 
Jesus was God's greatest treasure. And he invested his treasure into us. And the maths on that is this. If wherever your treasure is, your heart is, that means God's heart is right here in this room for you. God's heart is for you because Jesus was sent. His treasure was sent for you. God invested his treasure into you. Therefore, his heart is there. I wonder whether God loves me. Are you kidding me? He sent his only son to die for you. But how much more could he possibly love you? He sent his only son to die for you. How much? What, what else do you want? Oh, it's not good enough. I want, I don't know, 10 bucks as well. He gave his only son. That should be enough, friend. That's, that's enough for us to go, wow, you really do love me that much. Hey, I'm not saying life's going to be perfect, but there is a God in heaven and he loves you. His heart is with you because his treasure is in you. Isn't that beautiful? I don't have to wake up every morning and say, God, please love me. He says, are you kidding me? My treasure is in you. My treasure is in you. Of course I love you. Of course. My friend, in a church like this, we give people an opportunity every week in case the treasure is not in you. Maybe you've never received Jesus. Maybe Jesus is out there somewhere for you. But God wants his treasure in you. Give me your heart, he says. Son, give me your heart. God wants your heart today. He wants your heart. Hi, I'm Richard Gabakian, pastor of Lifehouse Church. Just wanted to say thank you for listening to this message and I hope and pray that you feel that it's added value to your life. My greatest desire is to see people develop a personal relationship with Jesus, which can begin by praying a very simple prayer. I'm going to pray that prayer right now. And if you'd like to begin that relationship, you can just repeat after me. Lord Jesus, I need you in my life. I choose you as my only hope of being forgiven. Please come into my life and let me begin a relationship with you. that will last for all eternity. If you've prayed that prayer, we would love to know about it and celebrate your fantastic decision. You can do that by sending an email to mydecision at lifehouse.com.au. We look forward to hearing from you.